Blog Talk Radio. This land is mine. God gave this land to me. This brave and ancient land to me. Children can run free So take my hand And walk this land with me And walk this lovely land with me Well, good evening and welcome to Yada Yada Radio. I'm here with uh, Kirk and Dee this evening. Um, for those of you who were with us uh, last week uh, when we were unable uh, to uh, produce a show because of the failures of Blog Talk Radio, thank you for returning uh, today. We hope we have uh, better results. We don't see any warning banners on the uh, header, so this is very encouraging. Uh, I think... Virtually everyone that listens to this show knows that um, we have a, a passion for Israel uh, and for Jews. And the message that we convey is for Israel uh, and for Yehudim, uh, the beloved of Yah. And we recognize that the world changed fundamentally, never to be even approximate what it was prior to October 7th. And it is truly amazing that something um, which, I hate to use this term, but I don't know if there's any other right way to say it, but, but since there were only 2,500 to 3,000 Islamic jihadists perpetrating the massacre of, of uh, October 7th of last year, it was... A relatively small event in the overall scale of of world history, and yet it has stunningly profound implications uh, that have changed the world such that we will never go back to what it was previously. Mm-hmm. And I say this uh, for a number of reasons, and I don't think. There has been a more hideous display of of vicious, sadistic, inhuman behavior in the last two to three thousand years. That's a long period of time. And I understand that 
that the scale of it was minuscule by comparison to the Holocaust. I understand that the scale of it was minuscule compared to world wars. But not the savagery. Right. Yes. You know, Mingala and, and those concentration camps did some gruesome things. But for the most part, the sadistic Germans uh, simply wanted to eliminate Jews in the most efficient way possible. Yes, it was genocide. Genocide is, uh, is one of the most gruesome crimes that man has ever committed. But this was torture. This was like the Inquisition, where a people was targeted, and the purpose was to demonize, to desecrate, to inflict as much pain as possible. It's a monstrous thing when when a person subjects another to that kind of torture, where they tie them up and then whether they gang rape them, they mutilate them while they're raping them, while they uh, decapitate people slowly, they cut off fingers and toes, burn children alive in front of their, their mothers. I mean, it's the most gruesome mm-hmm. attack, as gruesome attack as the world has ever seen. Monsters, really. And not only did it happen that way, but Israel has no idea whatsoever how to respond to it. And worse than that, the world has galvanized against Israel. Um, Those under the age of 30 in America are almost universally anti-Israel and think that the world would be better if Hamas had its way and there was no Israel. Three-quarters of American Christians think that the solution is to reward these terrorists with the state of their own and the two-state solution. Europeans are almost universally galvanized against Israel, and the scene out of Europe is, uh, is hellish. It, it uh, looks like a, uh, a weekly version of Kristallnacht. Uh, you know, Europe is gone. Uh, there is no recovering from this. Uh, it's the curse of Angela Merkel. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Muslims worldwide are calling for Israel's demise, the annihilation of God's people, while progressives are coddling them and pretending like it's Israel that is perpetrating the genocide when all they're trying to do is survive. But there's literally nothing can be done. The uh, the heads of the IDF and you know, whether it be Gallant or or uh, Gantz, yeah. they yeah. they are guaranteeing that all of the Israelis IDF soldiers that lose their lives in Gaza will have done so for nothing. They certainly recognize that, God, that Hamas cannot be eliminated. You know, for every Islamic terrorist one kills, there's ten more. And they recognize that 
they can't sacrifice the lives of young men to go in and destroy tunnels uh, and to take out snipers from every building, and they can't level every building from the air. It was exactly as we predicted. This was this was a winless war. It was impossible. It, the moment Israel went in, their fate was sealed. They were going to galvanize the world against them, and they were not going to succeed in, in Gaza. No. You know, I'm not uh, a bleeding heart here. I really do not care how many uh, Gazians are killed. There is no such thing as an innocent Gazian. They all participated in one way or another. Even to suggest that a four-year-old child is a non-combatant, a four-year-old child is a viper. Just because it's a young viper doesn't mean that it's going to grow up to be a grasshopper. Right. Every one of those children is going to grow up to be a viper. And those women celebrate their, their sons when they go off and commit these atrocious acts. Mm-hmm. People known as the Fakistinians are supportive of Hamas. They created the environment for Hamas to, to rise. It, I, I applaud Israel killing, uh, like they did in Lebanon, a Hamas leader. You know, great. Kill them all. But unfortunately, it's going to make a bad situation worse. Because Israel is going to pull out. Israel's never going to wipe out Hamas. And because the United States and moderate Jews universally want Gaza governed by Palestinians, it's going to turn back into what it was. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, the West Bank is already gone. It's completely out of control. It's just a matter of time before the West Bank erupts just like Gaza did. Mm-hmm. And you know, the, the next phase of this war is going to be a hundred times this previous one. You can't continue to live away from the borders. And once Israel returns to the borders, they'll be vulnerable to a hundredfold the attack that they witnessed on October 7th. And it's going to happen exactly the same way. And the IDF can do nothing about it. They've already proven they can do nothing about it. And, and so Israel's at a, is at a terrible spot. Um, I love Israel. I, I wish it was not true. I wish that the United Nations wasn't so anti-Semitic. I wish the United States was a a loyal partner. I wish the Israel wasn't outnumbered in the world by those who hate them by a hundred to one versus those that support them. That is the reality, and the images that are being played uh, in the media by progressive outlets that have chosen to coddle Muslims are such that it's very difficult to be a Jew anywhere in the world. Um, mm-hmm. In universities, very difficult to be a Jew. In Europe, and to a large degree now in America cities, it's open hunting on Jews. And something's uh, happened on the 2nd of January that will eventually change the world as we know it. Uh, Saudi Arabia did become part of BRICS. Mm, which means Saudi Arabia is is saying that 
the deal that they had originally sought to do with the United States, which would have put Saudi Arabia uh, in an insulated position against uh, Iran, is over. The Chinese mm -hmm. trumped America. Mm -hmm. And that the new alliance is China, Russia, Iran, and Saudi Arabia, not the United States and Saudi Arabia. And as part of BRICS, all Saudi Arabia has to do is to say that we will sell oil in currencies other than the U.S. dollar, and America's economy will crash because we will lose our international reserve currency standard, which means our debt between state and federal, which is now 150% of GDP, isn't sustainable. We won't be able to fund it with smoke and mirrors, with quantitative easing, with the creation of the illusion of money. We'll actually have to sell bonds that are at a rate that people will buy them so that the debt becomes the number one item on uh, the bloodbath of our economy. So this is where we are. We're not going back. I had thought that COVID, where the world deprived people of their freedoms and, and livelihood, was a an event that fundamentally changed the world one day to the next. And it did. Mm -hmm. The United States finally maneuvering the proxy war that it has sought for the last 20 years against Russia fundamentally changed the world. No going back from it. And, and the consequence of that is inevitable and it is dark, deadly. Mm -hmm. And this uh, dress rehearsal for what will be a hundredfold version from all sides of October 7th is another one of those events. Unfortunately, Israel doesn't have the leadership to guide it, the nation through this. And they're never going to get it in the parliamentary system. And they don't have a constitution. The Supreme Court, the High Court, just did the unimaginable. Shows you just how unthinking, how irrational progressives are where on an eight to seven vote, the uh, high court with its progressives uh, annulled the elimination of the reasonables clause and claimed that the high court can has more power over what laws are passed in Israel than anyone else, that no elected official has near the clout that does an unelected court that's not even appointed by elected uh, officials and has no constitution to control it or rein it in. And in the middle of a war, they did this because their egos were uncontrollable. It's the curse of progressives. Cool. So here we are, uh, and I know that's a dark picture, but there is hope. And the hope is that we are only 10 years away from the complete annihilation of Muslims and Christians and progressives, and the Herodim, the practitioners of, uh, practitioners of Judaism, Christianity, Islam, and communists and progressives worldwide will cease to exist. Those shrill voices will all go very quietly into the night, never to be heard again. The earth will return to the conditions experienced in the Garden of Eden. There will be a remnant of Yisrael, of Yehudim, who are going to be receptive to Yahweh's name, 
who are going to choose to be part of his covenant, who are going to attend all seven of his Moed Mikre, knowing exactly what each of those seven meetings provide. And they will know that Yahweh is returning with their Messiah, the very Son of God, his firstborn, his chosen one, our Savior, Dote, David, on Yom Kippur, I'm in year 6,000, Yah, which is less than 10 years away, October 2nd, 622 p.m. in 2033. That is where we are, and that is the hope. The, the Torah still prevails so long as you and Yisrael throw away the Talmud. Of course, dispose of the New Testament and the Zohar as well. Mm-hmm. Man's books, whether they be the Quran or even books that are errantly placed uh, in the Hebrew text, Ezekiel's, Satan's playbook. Job does not belong. Enoch most certainly doesn't belong. Uh, Maccabees does not belong. There are valid prophets, and they've communicated far more than we need to know to form a relationship with Yahweh. The greatest of them, probably the greatest man who ever lived, in terms of his character, his oratory ability, his intellect, is Moshe. The Torah is the means to having a covenant relationship with Yahweh. Dode, of course, is God's exemplar. He is the exemplar of Yisrael, the exemplar of the covenant family. He is our Savior. He fulfilled Pesach, Matzah, and Bakodim in your 4,000 Yah, 33 CE. The very Son of God is beloved. He is the one who is returning on Yom Kippurim. He is your awaited Messiah. And of course then there's Yermiah and Yashayah and Hosha, Zachariah, Zephaniah and Malachi, great prophets. And one of the things that should be shocking to Israel as you listen to this program, and we're going to to delve back into uh, Dode's first Mizmor Psalm, right. is that the primary theme, the number one topic throughout the prophets is God's disgust about his people's propensity to be religious. He has a lot to say about the religion that a rabbinical Jew, one of the first men ever to call himself a rabbi, Paul, created in Christianity. He calls it the plague of death. God views Islam as pure Satanism. And it is. But the religion God hates the most, the one that he speaks of more than any other topic throughout the prophets is Judaism. So to form a relationship with Yahweh, you're going to have to accept the terms of the, of the covenant, and the first of those is to walk away from religion and politics. It's only then that you can walk to Yahweh and be among those who look up expectantly, celebrating the return of Yahweh, and his beloved son, your Messiah, our Messiah, our Savior, Dode. Here in less than 10 years on the Day of Reconciliations. 
And so with that in mind, I, I want to return to uh, Dode's first Mismore. We're going to be talking about uh, Dode because the series where these Mismore are translated for you and explained is called Coming Home. And it's about Dode as the Savior, as the Messiah, as the Shepherd, as the King, uh, as the one who is returning to make it possible to reconcile the relationship with Yahweh, um, is speaking to his people from the heart. And one of the first things that you will notice as he, as he speaks to Yisrael is that there's a name that he loves more than any other. And it's not his own. It's his father's. Yahweh's. This um, Mismore is personally important to everyone listening to this program this evening, to everyone mm-hmm. in the Covenant family, um, to everyone who has devoted themselves to uh, helping us create the 30-some-odd books now that are part of uh, the bookshelf at yadayad.com and available at, uh, at Amazon, all royalty-free or an online completely free. Um, and that word is Asher. That's the first word of Dode's first Mismore. And Asher became important to us because um, after exposing and condemning Islam and for profit of doom, which has now become goddamn religion, um, as an update there, um, the first volume has been published. The second volume is complete and ready to be published. I wanted to do one final read-through. I'm uh, three-quarters of the way finished with that. Um, have a little technical work to do on it. And uh, it will be ready to, to publish. And then I'm uh, doing a rewrite, actually, on GDR, Goddamn Religion 1, uh, Snake in the Desert, um, uh, because I, I want it to be even more irrefutable than volume one, um, more hard-hitting. And so we're in the process of uh, of uh, revising it before going to volume three and volume four. Um, so we're making good progress, but they're very, very long days. Um, so if you've sent me an email, for example, and I haven't responded, please understand I'm sitting in this chair 15 hours a day uh, trying to get this done. It's essential for Israel. Israel needs to know that Hamas isn't the problem. Hezbollah is not the problem. Iran's not the problem. The problem is Islam. Yeah. That's just bottom line. It, the problem so is Islam. It's not fake Estonians. It's not Egypt. It's not Syria. It's not Jordan. It's not Lebanon. Nor is it any one of the Islamic organizations like Fatah, the PLO. Boko Haram, Islamic Jihad, Hamas, or Hezbollah, or the Muslim Brotherhood. The problem is Islam. It is a terrorist manifesto. It's the most deadly religion ever conceived, and its fundamental purpose is either to get Jews to surrender and capitulate, or to kill them. And the reason for that, so that you know why you are targeted in Islam, is that 
the day of doom, the day of judgment, which is the number one theme running through the Quran, is Satan, who is actually Allah, uh, trying to recast the day of reconciliations. I've shared with you that Yahweh and Dode are returning on the day of reconciliations to reconcile the relationship with the remnant of Yisrael. And the entire earth at that time will be returned to the conditions experienced in the Garden of Eden. At that moment, Satan, the adversary, is dispatched to Sheol. But if he can prevail, which is what the book of Ezekiel is all about, it's what the Quran is all about, uh, to a large degree it's what the Christian New Testament is all about. If he can turn the world against Jews and either get Jews to be silenced and dehumanized where their message becomes irrelevant and where they're so marginalized they don't even listen to Yahweh anymore, or kill them, and there are no Jews waiting expectedly for Yahweh to return on Yom Kippurim, then there's no reason for Yahweh and Dod to return. They're not going to return for the Day of Reconciliations if there's no one to reconcile the relationship with. So Ezekiel is 25 ways to kill a Jew. And then a whole method of replacing the Temple Mount and of Moriah and everything in Jerusalem so it's completely paved over in what is uh, the Ezekiel's reiteration of Auschwitz to make certain that there's no one there for Yahweh to return to, and if God does not return, then Satan can have the planet that he has destroyed. This is what we're up against. Mm-hmm. And so the only way to, to resolve that is to do something that has not been done, well, in better part of 2,500 to 2,700 years. Yeah. And that is to get... God's people to listen to God. Mm -hmm. It's been a very long time since God's people have listened to God. And so our mission here is to encourage Yehudim, Yisraelites, God's people, the chosen people, to actually listen to God. To come to understand that his name is Yahweh. It's not Hashem, it's not G-D, sure as hell isn't the Lord or Adonai. Yahweh. And so if, not if, when we are successful, because we will be successful, because Yahweh has already explained what is going to happen, mm-hmm. but we'd just like to exceed those expectations. We would like <laughs> many tens of thousands of Israelites yeah. to be there waiting for Yahweh's return. And there's no time like the present even though you have 10 years before Yom Kippur, it's going to be a very rough 10 years. Two-thirds of Jews are going to die, maybe a higher percentage of that in the planet as a whole. Don't wait. Getting to know Yahweh is a wonderful experience. He asks almost nothing from us. In fact, the five things he asks from us are all benefits for us, and he gives us everything in return. So form a relationship with him. Be, be among those who are going to celebrate his return on Yom Kippur and become part of the covenant family, be reintroduced to and adopted into Yahweh's covenant family. 
this is what Dode represents. Joyful, he says, with me and blessed by me. A very interesting word. It's not how it's translated in most English uh, versions and certainly not in the Bibles, but it's Asheree. Asher uh, means fortunate, beneficial relationship um, to walk along a straight forward and correct path to give meaning to life. But Asheree is like uh, the, uh, the Hebrew favorite Adonai, where you put the Y at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Asheree is the Y. It makes it uh, first person. It's like it's the contracted form of Ani, uh, me, myself, and I. And so Toad is actually admitting here that you can be blessed by him. You can engage in a fortunate, beneficial relationship by walking along the straightforward and correct path which gives meaning to life with Dode, with him. Now, I'm speaking for him. He, he wrote this in first person, joyful with me and blessed by me. Now, you would think, now how in the world would a man say such a thing? We can be blessed by Dode. Well, the reason is, Dode fulfilled Pesach and Matzah leading to Bakoto. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm here to tell you that unless you've been listening to these programs, unless you've read the books on the shelf at yadayah.com, you have no clue what matzah is. You don't even understand Pesach, nor Bakoto. You think that Passover is a seven-day celebration that is that's to be observed because uh, it was the beginning of the Exodus. I have no idea what it actually represents. Do you have any idea as to why? Uh, Yahweh's response was that outside of those who who had the sign of the Lamb's blood on the doorway to their homes, why those who were apart from the children of Israel lost their firstborn sons? You guys mm-hmm. know? You ever thought about that? Yeah. Why? Why was that the penalty? They hadn't entered to the door. Recognizing dodes. Three reasons. Three reasons. What is it that caused the greatest anguish for the children of Israel in Mitzrayim, Egypt? Oppressive uh, labor. Yes, they they were enslaved. They went from living with uh, Egyptians to being enslaved. That wasn't the worst part. Mm-hmm. The worst okay. part was when Pharaoh issued the edict to kill mm-hmm. every child, every male child. Yeah, that's pretty tough. So the the thing that made Moshe so remarkable is he was a, a an Israelite boy who survived. Mm-hmm. In Pharaoh's house. Because Pharaoh gave orders to kill every male child, every male child that was born. So God's fairness, his sense of, you did this to mine, I'm going to do it to yours, on Pesach, mm-hmm. was to take the yeah. lives of the firstborn sons. That's true. Second, when Pesach was explained, when the covenant was confirmed, what transpired there? Wasn't that Abraham, which means merciful mm-hmm. father, 
Going up Mount Moriah with Yishak. Laughter yes, is. Son. What did Yahweh refer to him as? Your beloved son. Your one and only son. Yeah. And that the whole Pesach Passover preview was with merciful father and his one and only son. You see the connection? Yes, and what did Yahweh say? Don't take your son. I will provide the lamb. And so what did Yahweh do? His son, his beloved son, the one man that he said, he is my son, I am his father. Dode, David, the Messiah, volunteered to serve as the Passover lamb. God offered his son. That's why Dode is known as the son of God. That's why he's called the firstborn. Because Yahweh offered his firstborn to fulfill Pesach. That's what it represents. It's the doorway to life for those who answer that invitation to meet with Yahweh, understanding who did what and for whom, when and why. And the answer was, you're a Messiah. Dode David. He did that thing. He volunteered to do that thing. His physical body, his Bashar, was tormented, tortured by the most gruesome empire that would ever exist, the most anti-Israel civilization in human history, the Romans, which became the Roman Catholic Church. He allowed his body to be ripped to shreds and tortured by Israel's most formidable foe, so that you might live. And for him to have done that, and for rabbis to have denied it, Mm -hmm. one of the greatest tragedies, one of the greatest crimes in human history. But if you're going to be part of the covenant family, you need to disavow what the rabbis have done and come to want to accept what Dode has done. If you want... An answer to that, understand why he wrote joyful and blessed by me, Ashri, in the first word of this first Mismore. And then ask yourself why the only eyewitness account of what happened on Pesach in year 4000, 33 CE, was written in first person by Dode, the 22nd. Wow. It is a first-person account of what the Son of God did for his people on Passover. And it explains in gruesome detail the nature of Roman crucifixion. And that Mm -hmm. that's how he would serve as the Passover lamb. And it was written in first person because it was Dode who fulfilled it. It's why... That powerful message in Yahshua 53, where it, it talks about the Passover lamb and our guilt being laid upon him, begins by saying, do you know who the Zeroah are? Dode was one of the two mighty Zeroah. Moshe was one. He explained that not only the nature of the covenant relationship, 
but also he articulated the Moed Mikre, this very path that we capitalize on to be part of God's family and to go from our troubled world to his. Moshe explained it, Dode fulfilled it. They are the mighty Zoroah. There are three of them. I'm the little Z. Because in the past 3,000 years, there's only one person who has actually understood this and could explain it to you. Yes. And I'm sharing this with you before it's too late. Because over the past 3,000 years, there hasn't been 20 of you, the Israelites, that have had a conversation with Yahweh. And time is running out. So that's why we're here. And so that's the reason why Dode wrote Ashri. That's the reason why Passover is as it is. That's why it happened that way in Egypt. And oh, by the way, did the children of Israel leave Egypt on Passover? They didn't. No. No. They stayed in their homes. They were told by God, stay in your homes. (laughs) They defined the very purpose of matzah on matzah, which is the day they left Egypt. What matzah means is to take the fungus out, the stench and the stain and the permeating nature of the guilt of religious and political corruption. The Israelites not only endured the political and religious corruption of Mitzrayim, the crucibles of human corruption, it permeated their souls. And so that had to be removed. That's why... God speaks of removing the yeast, which is a fungus. And so, do you know what happened on matzah? If I'm speaking to a Jewish community, now I understand that everyone listening to this program knows what I'm talking about now, because you've read these books. We've been a family now for many of us for upwards of almost 20 years. But we still have to recognize we're here to awaken Yisrael and to bring Yisrael home to Yahweh and to your Messiah, Dote. And so you need to know that the very day that rabbis completely miss, because they say that Passover is a seven-day celebration. It's not. It's one day. Matzah. Matzah is a seven-day celebration. Passover just happens to be the first day of matzah. Matzah is the essential day. It's the Shabbaton. It is the day of days. It's it is Kodesh set apart. It is a Moed. It is a Mikra. It is everything God can say about a day to call your attention to it and to say this is the most essential day of your lives. Because you have nothing beyond this mortal life if you don't avail yourself of Matzah. In fact, Pesach, the way that it's celebrated in Judaism and in Christianity, disguised in Christianity and, and isolated in Judaism, is the single worst thing a person can do. Because that would make the person immortal. You've capitalized on this doorway to life, and yet you're still stink to high heaven 
with religious and political guilt. Mm-hmm. And that means that you're immortal and nasty from God's point of view, and the only solution is to be dispatched to Sheol. Where if you didn't celebrate Pesach and didn't celebrate Matzah, and you weren't involved in leading people astray, you weren't a rabbi, you weren't a priest, you weren't a progressive that is touting such diabolical nonsense, then at the end of your mortal life, your soul just seems ceases to exist. It dissipates into nothingness. There's no penalty. There's no reward. You got your mortal life. You had free will. You had the opportunity. You just blew it. And as a result, there is nothing more. But if you celebrate Pesach and capitalize on eternal life without capitalizing on matzah, then you have to be sent to Sheol, the place of eternal separation. So why is matzah so important? Because it's on matzah that Dod, David, Yahweh's beloved son, our savior, our shepherd, our king, our Messiah, the chosen one, the branch. He volunteered to do something that it's almost beyond human understanding what he's agreed to accomplish. He said that after suffering the most tormenting, torturous death imaginable on on Pesach with his physical body, that he would allow the guilt, religious and political guilt, of every covenant member throughout all of history to be laden upon his soul such that he would take it into Sheol and that he would spend matzah and Sheol depositing our guilt in that black hole never to be seen again. With our guilt gone, we're not, we don't just look perfect in God's eyes. We are perfect. You know, God sees flawed individuals like myself and, and others as perfect. He saw Dode with all of his flaws as perfect because mm-hmm. all of our guilt has been hauled away, deposited in Sheol. That's what it means to take the yeast out of the bread. That's why matzah is so essential. And the next day, Dode was put in a position where he was the first of many to become part of God's eternal spiritual family where even the likes of Abraham and, and Yishak and Jacob benefited directly from what Dode had done because God's eternal in time. He exists in the fullness of time. God can apply retroactively to these individuals what Dode had done for us. But he just not only opened that doorway to life, heaven's door, and perfected us by taking our guilt into Sheol on matzah. But he became the firstborn of Yahweh on firstborn children, Bukotam, by being reborn spiritually. Which led, of course, to seven sevens later to Shabuah, the promise of seven, where God's children are enriched and empowered and enlightened and emancipated. So that we on Teruah can be troubadours of, of God's family of our Messiah Dode, such that we warn and encourage Israel to participate in Kippurim, which is not a day of affliction. It's the antithesis of that. 
not a day to abase one's soul or to deny oneself, most certainly not a day to throw a swirl of chicken above your head. Kapuram means to reconcile, to purge. You know, if you read the history of what Aaron was asked to do on Yom Kippurim, on the mercy seat, to, to make Yisrael acceptable to God, it's what Dode is coming back to do, to anoint that mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant so that Yisrael can be reunited with Yahweh. If you want to know exactly how this is going to happen, read the 31st chapter of Yirmiyah. He explains it. it says that, that the covenant's going to be renewed, reaffirmed, reestablished with Yisrael and Yehuda. Not with some church, not with Goy, not with Arabs, not with Christians, with Yisrael and Yehuda. It's going to be reestablished and reaffirmed. And this time it's going to be different than it was the last time. Why? Because all the way through time up to this point, everyone has had the opportunity to embrace the Torah and accept what Yahweh is offering and accepting what he is asking in return or not. You know, religious Jews and Judaism prefer their Talmud. Christians prefer their New Testament. Muslims prefer their goddamn Quran. And so what Yahweh is saying is, if you take my Torah teaching and guidance seriously and come to understand these five conditions of the covenant and the five benefits in store for you. And this is the, the message that is being offered, where God says specifically the one difference between the way that the covenant was and the way the covenant will be is that previously... He had to take you with a firm hand. When you came out of Mitzrayim, he took the children of Israel kicking and screaming. I mean, you hardly got out of Dodge before you made a, uh, an idol. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you were bellyaching the whole way. The Waters of Meribah is the saddest damn story in the history of sad stories. And so God said, I had to do this to save you from yourselves and from the Egyptians and bring you to the promised land. And I had to do it with a firm hand. I'm not going to do that anymore. Now it's your choice. Come willingly or not at all. And then God says, I'm going to do something for you that will be different. And the difference is that rather than providing the Torah and having that Torah carried next to the Ark of the Covenant, rather than having the Torah uh, conveyed through that passionate voice of Moshe or explained in the 119th Psalm by Dode, David. He says, I'm going to do you something really spectacular. I'm going to write my Torah guidance on your heart. I'm going to place a copy of my Torah inside of you. And timing's perfect because when he returns, we're going to become seven-dimensional constructs. We are currently three and a half now stuck in time, be liberated in time, and grow exponentially to a seven-dimensional realm where we're going to need this guidance to know how to get the most out of life. And so the difference is that the Torah, which has been available to us, is now integrated into our very nature. 
so we we have God's guidance within us. That's a lot to get from one word, but that's the first word. That is what Dode is conveying. Joyful with me and blessed by me, Asherah. Fortunate in the relationship with me, stepping along the straightforward and correct path, which gives meanings to life with me, providing the proper place to stand and live as a benefit. Is the individual, Ha'ish, who as a result of the relationship, just in case you didn't know that Ashri was a compound of Asher and Ani, this is Asher, who as a result of the relationship, who was elevated and favored through the association, making the proper strides to live a productive and prosperous life, blessed by the benefits, striding along the correct path. Do you know that Asherah is one of, if not the only word in Hebrew that is a noun, that is a verb, that is a preposition, that is a particle? Asherah's got it all going for it. It's also a name. It was one of the 12 sons yeah. of Jacob's named Asher. And and so it's a proper noun. It is a noun. It is a name. It is it is a verb. As a preposition, it speaks of being related to. Powerful term. Joyful and blessed by me is the individual who, as a result of the relationship, does not walk in the counsel of those who are religious and incorrect. Israel, you have been hoodwinked into believing that the rabbis speak for God, that those who are studying Talmud are, uh, are somehow doing a service for Israel when they're nothing but parasites. God despises them. God says, here's Dode speaking for God. The individual who is blessed by him does not walk in the counsel of those who are religious and incorrect. Ba etza rasha. And the advice of a con man, of someone advocating a religious scheme through his rhetoric. He does not stand in the way of those who are misleading. Chatta, of those who should be ostracized for leading people astray. Neither does he sit or dwell in the company of those who babble, confounding by scoffing and ridiculing. So if you're going to benefit from Dode, you can't be religious. You can't be amongst the political who ridicule and babble. And you can't be among those who are misleading. If you're going to capitalize on what Dode is offering, you have to do what he has done, which is to stand apart from these things and to stand with Yahweh. That is the offer. And so, after Dode explains what you cannot be part of if you want to benefit 
from what he is offering. He says, instead, by contrast, within the Torah teaching and guidance of Yahweh is what is valuable and matters to him. Dode's sacrifice on Pesach and Matzah to fulfill the opportunity to open the doorway to life and the means to rid us of our political and religious guilt have no meaning whatsoever apart from the Torah. It is the Torah that explains what that Pesach and Matzah lead to Bakurim. That's one of the things about Christianity I, I never understood is that what's the purpose of the dead God on a stick? How does God dying help anybody? Mm-hmm. And bodily resurrection is stupid. It's counterproductive. Totally. <laughs> Body particularly of that myth of, uh, of Jesus was bludgeoned and yeah, I mean, it, good riddance. Goodbye. In fact, it says the Passover lamb Whatever it isn't devoured the Passover lamb it should be incinerated that night. So it's important to recognize that, that uh, to capitalize on what Dode has done to fulfill Pesach, Matzah, and Bakurim in year 4000, yeah, 33 CE, you have to equate those events to... Moshe's explanation of them in the Torah. They they are explained in the book that now bears the name Leviticus. Um, It's actually a book of Kara, which means to call out, to invite, to welcome. So, is saying that you can't be religious. This is the, the same thing as the covenant. The first thing that Abram, uh, Abram who became Abraham and Sarai who became Sarah had to do for God to even meet with them and speak with them is to walk away from Babel, from this confounding intermixing of politics and religion from their, their country. And it was when they walked away that God was able to reach out and invite them into the covenant family. Dode begins exactly the same way. The Torah doesn't do you any good until you stop being religious and political. So Israel, if you're looking for a political, military, or religious solution to the mess that you're in now, it isn't going to happen. And if you are clinging to a political, a religious, or a military solution, then you're precluding the opportunity of Yahweh saving you, of Dode saving you. So that's why it's presented this way. Dode is saying that unless you disassociate from religion and politics, then the Torah doesn't do you any good. He can't do you any good. But if you do disengage from those things and choose to rely on Yahweh, learn from Yahweh, are guided by Yahweh, act based upon what Yahweh has said in the Torah, then indeed he serves as your Savior. It's a lot to gain so far out of uh, one and a half verses. Instead, by contrast, and contrast 
to religion and politics, the way of man, within the Torah teaching and guidance of Yahweh, is what is valuable and matters to him. Most Jews have been hoodwinked into think that Torah is law. The Talmud would be Jewish law. In fact, rabbis are so arrogant, they actually call their Talmud to the Torah. It's not. It's not an oral Torah. And Torah does not mean law. The Torah is Yahweh's. And it means teaching, guidance, instruction, and direction. It is from the verb yara. Source of teaching, guidance, instruction, and direction. Yahweh, whose name is uh, is proclaimed here by Dode, obviously is uh, is appropriate to say because Dode wrote it as a lyric to what? This is a song. So he sang it. Now, if Dode was controlled by the rabbis, they'd kill him. Yeah. Uh. And yet, by saying Yahweh's name, Dode not only got one of the most amazing lives in the history of humanity, but he had a second life and will soon have a third. Yeah. The Torah teaching of Yahweh is what is valuable and what matters. Shephet's you is, is his source of meaning, pleasing, acceptable, pleasurable, pleasing. And just in case you didn't get it the first time, Dode says, and in his Torah directions and instructions, he meditates, getting, giving serious thought and consideration to the information so as to speak decisively day and night. The Torah is an amazing book. It starts with the only credible creation account in history. I, um, those who have listened to this program and read these books know that there's something remarkable about Yahweh's uh, presentation of creation and that when he says that it transpired over six days from the perspective of the creator at creation, and you understand Einstein, that was a good Jewish lad, uh, theory of relativity, which is no longer a theory, it's been proven to be fact, which is the time uh, moves relative um, observer, and that in the presence of great speed or great energy, time slows. So that if you want to calibrate a clock to the creator's experience at creation, you have to know how much time was slowed by the presence of that enormous amount of energy and velocity at the Big Bang. And we know that answer because we designed a probe called the Wilkinson probe to specifically measure the rate that time was slowed. And the math is 10 to the 12th power. And if you divide 14 billion years by 10 to the 12th, you get six 24-hour days. So not only is the timing right, but what happened in each day, with beginning with light energy, and with that energy ultimately coalescing into matter as quarks were confined, and it is only then that energy transitions to matter that time actually moves. Mm-hmm. Because in an entirely energy-based state, time simply is. It's the reason why this universe, which an honest scientist will tell you, will never be, uh, with its humans, will never leave. 
uh, I don't think we'll ever even get to Mars. But we have no chance of going beyond that. The distances are too great. We can't even approximate the speed of light because it takes an infinite amount of energy to uh, accelerate a physical being, even without the spacecraft, just a P to that speed, infinite amount mm -hmm. of energy. And, and so it's just not possible. We cannot approximate the speed of light. There's no such thing as warping of time. And, and so you're never going to leave the solar system. And yet there's hundreds of billions of stars just in our galaxy. And there's hundreds of billions of galaxies. And the distances, I think the universe is what, 90, the, the part that we know, 94 billion light years across? Well, the only way it becomes accessible is for us to be an energy-based being, a seven-dimensional being, such that we can transition the six-dimensional universe in no time. doesn't matter what speed you move if time doesn't flow. But in the universal creation where God said, you know, that there's going to be a big bang, and he explained it that way, the moment that that energy, light, coalesced into matter, time began to move. And God then gave a plan and said, this is exactly how things are going to happen over a series of half-lives over the next 14 billion years. We're still living in that sixth day, by the way, although there's not much left of it, only a decade now. And then after explaining creation and the reason for creation, God goes directly to the experience of the garden. It's the most important story never understood of what the garden represents. How few people even know why Chawa came to be. Why was Adam put in a garden? Why were there other life forms in that garden? What did Yahweh and Adam talk about? Why was the, the, those two trees in the garden? Did God say don't eat from them? Were they forbidden fruit? No. There's so many things that are, that are powerful messages in that story. And the reason they're so important is that's where God's returning us. We're going back to the conditions experienced in the Garden of Eden for a thousand years here on Earth and then forever throughout the universe. And come to understand the reasons for Adam being given Chawa. When all Yahweh wanted was a relationship with Adam, but he says, you know, if, if I'm all Adam has and I created this being, to be in, involved in a conversant relationship with me, then he has no choice because if he separates from me, he's going to go insane. And so God mm -hmm. gave a Adam a way that he could choose time away from Yahweh if he chose, and he had to have it be meaningful. And yet the two of them together could be with Yahweh. So he gave him an alternative. And that tree in the center of the garden, he didn't say don't eat from it. He just says you can eat from any tree you want to in the garden. I just want you to know, eat from this one, there's a consequence. And this is the consequence. But hey, it's all there. You can eat from any of them. And then we learn how Yahweh celebrated life with Adam. And 
how they had such a marvelous time communicating together. And, and then uh, we learn how a serpent made a presentation to Chawa where she knew who he was. And there are so many clues that we learn later that that serpent was none other than a, a, a carob. We, we're more familiar with the term carobim. But carub is the, is the Hebrew term. It is a very special group of malak messengers, spiritual messengers. There's untold thousands of them. Uh, but there's a smaller number of, of carabum, and they're unique. They, uh, they uh, you know, have a special place in, in the uh, set apart of the temple. They're on the, the, uh, the sides and the back of the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. A really special relationship. They were on the walls protecting the uh, Adam and Chawa in the Garden of, uh, of Eden because outside the Garden of Eden, there was lots of bad stuff happening for humans out there, and they were acting up. And so they were there to protect them. And one of them, we now know, is Halal bin Shakar, the adversary, Satan. He um, came in and did his thing, and his thing is really simple. He corrupted God's testimony. Mm-hmm. He twisted it. He left parts out. He made inferences that weren't true. And he played off of what Chawa craved. And if you understand what he did and how he did it, then you will understand how Judaism came into being, how Christianity came into being, and particularly how Islam was formed. Understand, if you want to read and really understand it, read the book of Ezekiel where where, uh, Satan actually (laughs) explains exactly what happened in the garden. And so this book then goes from this relationship in the garden and then talks about the consequence of, of, uh, of man's malfeasance with the Nephilim. These um, are not giants. They're people that were overtly religious and political. Uh, and how that led to God grieving that even created man because like his people, Yisrael, they became horribly religious and political and excluded the real God in favor of fake gods. And so Yahweh said, those humans that I have given a nasalma, which is a conscience, we're going to need to reboot the system. Otherwise, man's never going to survive long enough to capitalize on a plan to redeem them. And then the flood, we hear that story. And and there's elements in that story that are so profoundly important that very few people know. Like, for example, God didn't flood the earth. He fled the, re- the region where there were humans that had been offspring of, of Adam and Chawa with an Asalma. And that God said it's going to begin with an upwelling of deep sea water, which is what an, an asteroid hit. And we know exactly when it hit, which is this time and, and the tsunami and the resulting uh, um, effects of the flood. Uh, for example, the Black Sea is such a great example. It was fresh water. And right at this time of the flood, it rose 500 feet, turned instantly to salt water. So many affirmations like this. Everything God says turned out to be true. It's such a powerful book. And then God goes from that to telling us the story of Abraham, the single most important story in the Torah, and how 
this man and his wife walked out of Babel, uh, the integration of religion and politics, and that God met them and invited them into the promised land, invited them to participate in a covenant relationship, and then used the, the concept of conceiving a child between a man and a woman and loving and raising that child to be the model that he would share with us as to what the covenant family relationship was all about. And in those seven meetings that Adam, uh, that Yahweh had between himself and, and Abraham and Sarah, he delineated the five conditions of the covenant, five things he expects from us, and the five benefits, all of which are provided to the fulfillment of the Moed Mikre, the seven annual meetings that God has with his people. That's the story. And so as we continue through this, we say that in the second verse it concludes, and in his Torah directions and instructions, he meditates giving serious thought, consideration to the information, so as to speak day and night. God wants us to listen to what he has to say and then share it with others. This is what Dode did. What a powerful message. This is Mizmor 1, the first Psalm, verses 1 and 2. Now as we ponder the expansive implications of what we have just heard, we find ourselves called into Dode, our messiahs, our shepherds, our kings, company to celebrate with him and to benefit from him while he has done all of the heavy lifting he is the one that volunteered to serve as the Pesach AL and even more um, amazing to take our guilt with him into Sheol you might say why would wait a minute why would he do that I mean, this is a guy that wussed out on so many things during his own life. Yeah, it was great when it was coming to defend Israel. I mean, he fought 66 battles and won every one of them. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was really great when it came to that kind of stuff. And he was, you know, a, a great lover. And he was a great lyricist. And, boy, he, he loved Yahweh, and Yahweh loved him. But, boy, he made a bunch of dunderhead moves, too. How could this guy, of all guys, decide, hey, God, I got an idea. What if you allow me to serve, to fulfill as your son, Pesach and Matzah? Why would he do that? Me know. And the reason is, he didn't have any choice. Oh, he is totally his option. But he realized because he was a student of the Torah, that Moshe had it all over him and everybody else. Never been a person with greater character. I don't think anyone with greater intellect. Moshe was as perfect a person as you are ever going to meet. This man had character. And what happened when he tried to leave the children of Israel? (laughs) It was awful. And that was over 40 years. What would happen when Dode is being told he's going to be the king of kings, he is going to be the leader of Israel and God's people forever. 
He's saying, yeah, right. Moshe couldn't do it. And I got more flaws than I have hairs in my head. And so Doug said, what if I do this? If everybody that I am tasked with leading for all eternity is there because I saved them, then we're in, a, in an entirely different kind of relationship. No doubt. He figured it out. And he said, it's only two days. If I pay the price over these two days, if I make this sacrifice over the two days, if I make the best decision of my life during these two days, then not only do I benefit for all time, but so does my father Yahweh, who will be forever proud of what we've accomplished together and love the results. And everyone who benefits from Pesach and Matzah will be there, will have eternal life in God's family as a result of these things. It was the most amazingly appropriate and moral and rational and beneficial decision ever made. Now, while I don't think there's many of us that had the kind of relationship with Yahweh you would need to say, I'm going to do this knowing that you're going to make that result happen, but he did. The reason Yahweh accepted it is he knew Dode was right. That his people were irascible. That this was the one way to be able to lead them. To lead by example. And so he approved what his son had volunteered to do. And as we read through these Mizmor, we're going to find that over and over again, that the, the moods that are applied, first, second, and third person volition, affirm this. But this was Dode's choice, and Yahweh respected it and made it happen. And it was the right call. That is what's being conveyed. He played the most important role by fulfilling the Mikrai invitations to meet with God. Personally, I am Yashari. I am overjoyed that Dode began his literary love affair, celebrating his relationship with Yahweh and his Torah, as well as his people, because Ashri was benefit with me. Come join me. Celebrate with me. You know, if you're having a rough day, and I want to tell you, Dode had a lot of rough days, particularly when his son uh, led a yeah. rebellion against him, and then his son was yeah. killed. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it unbelievably sorrowful event for, uh, for Dode. Um, and so he had some rough days. But the way to get over rough days is to do something worthwhile for others. If you can make a contribution, which is what this program is all about, is what this wonderful team that we have that is doing the edits of, uh, of these books, which is a tough job because there's a lot of material in, in some of these books. It's not a lot of fun, but it needs to be said. But we know that when we make this contribution, that we're making such a difference in Yahweh's family and Yahweh's just ability to enjoy his people, that it, it takes us to a, a, an exceedingly good place. And that's what happened with Dode when he made this decision. 
it took him to an extraordinarily good place. So I'm Ashery, overjoyed that Dode began using this word. 22 years ago, I uh, tried to make sense of a prophecy found in 2 Samuel 7, probably my favorite prophecy of all prophecies throughout the Torah and Prophets. Uh, for those that don't know, 2 Samuel 7 is, is, uh, is really basically one subject. It's about homes. Who built them? Who lives in them? Dode had a wonderful home right below the Temple Mount where his son was going to build Yahweh's home. And uh, he uh, lamented, says, I, I live in this beautiful home. And Yahweh's out there in, in a tent, flapping in the breeze. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, he said, let's build a home yeah. for Yahweh. And uh, yeah. Nathan was there, which means a gift. Uh, and said, so, you know, do what you think you need to do. You, you've obviously got the mind and heart of, uh, of God. You know, do what you think you need to do. And, and that night, uh, Yahweh came to Nathan. And, you know, it, um, Dode had uh, done the dunderhead thing. And so there is still tremendous love. But Yahweh wanted us to know that he had done a really bad thing. And, and that they uh, they were having a bit of a timeout, uh, and so uh, yeah resolves it on, on this thing, and he he says, um, <laughs> uh, I want you to follow to tell me the, the following things to Dode. You know I, I've been with the children of Israel right from the, the beginning and, and through the thick of it. And was there any one time that I told the children of Israel that I want you to build a house for me? I, I want you. To, was there one time that I asked them to do that for me? of all the time that I put up with him. No. So why are you asking this question? If I wanted a house for me, don't you think I would have asked for one or that I would have built one? Happened to be God. Obviously, it's not important to me. But it is important to me that you have a house because you're my son. That's my job as your father. And God goes to talk about it. Dode is his son, that he is his father, and that all the wonderful things that they're going to accomplish together. And in the midst of that, there is a, a line that uses uh, Asher, Asher, and English Bibles all mess it up, and they say, you know, when, when he sends, I will not spare the rod, and, and that's not what it, it says at all. And we learn that Asher is an, a, a term that makes an association, makes a connection that leads us on the proper and beneficial path that takes us home. Those who are blessed by Asher in conjunction with father and son enjoy the benefits of being part of the same family. They're elated for having been favored through this association, having been been taking the proper strides to live in a productive, prosperous, and joy-filled life. Asher is the correct, although it's a narrow and restrictive, straightforward path that leads to abundant life. Asher is the path that we follow through the Moed Mikre, beginning with Pesach, Matzan, Bakurim, Shabuah, Teruah, Kapuram, and Sukkah so that we can camp out with God. Asher gives every aspect of our existence meaning. Those of us who, like Dode, 
become God's sons and daughters do so by making an Asher-like connection between Yahweh and his Torah, literally walking to one through the other. In his opening statement, our shepherd, Messiah, and king encouraged us to join him. Walking away from religious advice, from being misled politically, and from being confused conspiratorially. In Israel today, this requires every Israeli to be distinctly different, to walk alongside David through the Torah guidance to Yahweh. And to do that, the religious must toss out their Talmud, toss away the Zohar, throw away those depressing black outfits, stop with the ridiculous kippahs, Mute the prayers. God doesn't ask you to pray to him. He asks you to listen to him. He doesn't want you to bob your head and bow down. He wants you to stand up. Walk. Disavowing all of the mitzvot and halakha and come clean. There isn't a single rabbi or member of any Haredi cult who knows Yahweh. It's not one that is part of the covenant family. And frankly, almost all are too marinated in religious rhetoric to recognize or accept the truth, even when offered by God. When we say that we are here for Yisrael, we are here for Yehudim, we want to reunite God's people with Yahweh. We're actually not trying to do that with all Yisraelites. We recognize, as does Yahweh, that the overtly religious and overtly political can't be reached. Too indoctrinated. Too set in their ways. Too sure of themselves. Evidence and reason do not resonate with someone who is progressive or someone who is religious. Our message, God's message, is to those of you who are not overtly political, who are willing to give God a chance, who are not religious and are willing to listen to your Heavenly Father and hear what he has to offer and what he expects in return. Because he is not going to reach out to you until you are free of religion and politics, just as was the case with Abraham and Sarah. And so when you're in that spot, just as Dode has said in this psalm, then you are ready to listen to what he has to say, his guidance, his instruction in the Torah. And so religious Jews embody the attitudes that Yahweh finds the most despicable. It's the number one complaint that Yahweh has throughout the prophets. And you go through the first like 10 chapters of Yeshaya, and that's the only topic. You would think that after all of this time with all of these prophets, 
Jews would say, wait a minute, God does not want us to be religious. We're in this pickle because we've been religious. If we hadn't been religious, there would have been no reason for the Maccabees. There would have been no reason for the Greeks to have invaded. God would have precluded the Romans from entering Judah. There would have been no Roman Catholic Church. There would have been no Muslims. If he had only celebrated Yahweh's name, listened to and accepted his guidance in the Torah, become part of the covenant, celebrated the Mikra as they were intended. But because you haven't, God did something that he must have prophesied about 500 times, Torah and Prophets which is, he says, my people aren't listening to me. I'm just so disgusted about their religion that in the last days, before I return, I'm going to empower a goy. Yeah, a Gentile. A choder, a knacker, an observant foreigner. And he's going to call my people home. He's going to be that voice in the wilderness. And yeah, he's not much, but you know... Um, if I empower him with my seven spirits, we'll get the job done. Thirty some odd books later, ten thousand radio programs, we're just getting warmed up and hitting our stride, and now calling Yisrael to come home. It's amazing what God can do if you're only willing to listen. Mm-hmm. Now, on the other side of this spectrum, it's progressives. They're no less indoctrinated, no less ignorant and irrational. You know that I think it's 70, 80% of progressives actually favor a two-state solution, meaning that they're so stupid. They reward the Islamic terrorists with a terrorist state right next to them, which will make Israel indefensible. These people hate uh, liberal thought, hate everything that is near and dear to progressives, they'd be signing their own um, life away. And yet, so foolish that 70, 80% of them would do this, given the chance. Mm. The inverse of what they have been led to believe is true. Having forfeited the ability to be judgmental, through a reasonable evaluation of the evidence, they have squandered any hope of walking alongside Dote to the Promised Land, back to Shamaim. American Jews and uh, Dispora are similarly lost, although there was one wonderful thing that, uh, one, and it's hard to imagine this, and I tell my wife uh, this regularly, but there was actually good news on October 7th was good news in Corona. There was good news in the U.S.'s stupid proxy war with Ukraine. There's good news in, in Saudi Arabia joining BRIC. There's a good news in, in Muslims and progressives worldwide rising up against Jews and this new torrent of anti-Semitism. And that is that if you're Jewish, you have to be now open to the realization that life as you knew it is no more. 
that the world is cascading in on you. There's no place to hide. There's no place to turn. That everything that Jews over the last 3,000 years have relied upon has crumbled. It hasn't worked. It's time to try a different approach. The one approach that Jews have not tried over these last 3,000 years is Yahweh. Yeah, there was a brief moment with Hezekiah. But that was incredibly brief. If you accept Yahweh individually and do as Dode said here, meditate on the Torah, share the Torah, um, enjoy the Torah, come to know the covenant's conditions and its benefits and the purpose of the seven Moed Mikre, all of it is laid out for you in the books of Yada Yahweh. All free. Begin with an introduction to God and then the eight volumes of the Yada Yah series and five volumes of observations leading to the three volumes of coming home as we walk through the Mizmor of Dode. And even as we destroy the myths of Ezekiel and the problems of, Bab- of Daniel and, and even go into why... Christianity was so disgusting, and now Islam, while it is a satanic religion through goddamn religion and questioning Paul in the Babel series, it's all there for you. Um, God prefers the written word. We do this program orally because it is the most effective way in today's world to get people's attention. So we do this program with the expectation that there will be those whose interest will be caught up in, in, in the passion of words such that you'll read. But if you're going to come to know Yahweh, you're going to have to read. God does not want to make it easy. He wants to make it fun. He wants to make it exciting. He wants you to want to know him enough that you're willing to invest the time. He has no interest mm-hmm. in faith. He doesn't want you to believe. He wants you to know. And knowing takes time. It takes work. But it produces enormous dividends. Now, we are still recording. We still have the ears of those who have called in to Blog Talk Radio. We're no longer broadcasting. Uh, Those in the chat room who have also called in can uh, benefit both ways. Uh, But we'll go on a a few more minutes. Um, My voice is not going to hold out much longer. Uh, My uh, lovely wife came down with a a bug a little over a week ago, and and uh, uh, just mm-hmm. recently, in the last few hours, I've, I'm beginning to get the same scratchy throat, so uh, uh, I don't want to overdo it so that I can continue to to make progress on getting goddamn religion uh, yeah. in the condition that it needs to be in. Uh, but we'll go a, a few more minutes. Uh, uh, when we speak about American Jews and diaspora, uh, you now know that life will never be the same for you. You now know that the world has turned against you. Uh, and so this is time to do the one thing that will make a difference. The one thing that will bring total joy to your lives, that will protect your family from these things. Well, just think for a moment. You know, I wrote Prophet of Doom 20 years ago in my own name. I did 5,000 radio programs worldwide under my own name, hours and hours. Each of those programs averaged an hour in length. Um, Talking about how 
uh, Allah was Satan and that Islam is a terrorist manifesto. No one has yeah. ever been as informed, as uh, effective in exposing and condemning Islam as I. Mm -hmm. uh, and for doing it, I got thousands of death threats. And yet I never ducked. I never once had a Muslim take a swing at me or try to cut off it's my it. head or do anything else. And now, goddamn religion is a thousand times more powerful than Prophet of Doom. <laughs> and okay. the reason is that, <clears throat> that because of the covenant relationship with Yahweh, because of the 91st Psalm, where those who are doing what Yahweh wants done, Yahweh protects. If you want an absolute perfect life assurance policy, join us. Join us. Yeah. This is it. Do the very thing yeah. that scares the bejesus out of everybody else. Okay. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's a scary thing in Israel to go against the rabbis. Do it. True. They deserve it. True. Speak out against Christianity. Speak out against progressives. Speak out against the right-wing wackos. You know, finally, you've reached a point where the IDF has failed you. Speak out against them. Speak out against Judaism. It's the right thing to do. Come to understand that the problem is Islam, not these clubs that they operate under. And if you're doing so after you've come to know Yahweh, read the volumes of Yada Yahweh. They're all free online, and they're available royalty-free from Amazon, paperback and hardback form, or in ebook form, if that's your preference. It's pennies for the ebooks. <clears throat> Get to know Yahweh, become part of his family, and then you have everything to gain and nothing to lose. And be part of the solution. Do as Dode said. When you cherish and meditate upon the Torah, then speak about it. Let's do what is needed to have tens of thousands of Israelites join the covenant. Celebrate their relationship with Yahweh. Make it the most wonderful family reunion Amen. in the history of humankind. <laughs> and then just think of the satisfaction. You know, I've been doing this now for 22 years, and there's many uh, members of the covenant family who have been with me for uh, 15 or more of those years. Mm -hmm. And many of them are exceedingly dedicated. Uh, Dee, you're an example. Kirk, you're another. Uh, Thank you. We have so many others that uh, you know, are beloved uh, Jackie. Uh, yes. <laughs> so unbelievably dedicated to this. Um, uh, my wife, uh, Molly, is one of our editors. Mike is, uh, is another mm -hmm. uh, editor. Uh, David, who is responsible for this marvelous uh, com website and all of its uh, features. We have so many people who are devoted to helping awaken Israel. Can you imagine, And I, if, if you're new to this program, thinking of how much satisfaction each of us is going to feel when we witness Yahweh's return and know that 
that jubilation of this day is is to some degree because of our willingness to engage and to do this for God's people? To know that there will be Yehudim and Goyim who will have an eternity with Yahweh to explore the universe with us, adding dimension to all of our lives because we did this now. Mm-hmm. It's 10 years versus eternity. It's like Dode's choice. It's just two days over eternity. We've got 10 years for all eternity, and there's nothing you can do that's more rewarding, more fun, more enjoyable, more productive, more pleasing to God. And there's very few things in life that are as rewarding as pleasing God. True. And just think of the thrill, the sense of satisfaction. You know, it, yes, there's going to be a thrill for everyone who is there on Yom Kippur. I'm looking up to dote, seeing the one that was pierced for our benefit, coming with his father and knowing that we're returning to the Garden of Eden with him as our leader. And there'll be great joy, but those who have devoted themselves during this last 10 years to sharing Yahweh's message and calling his people home and increasing the the joy of that family reunion, it's it's a level of of satisfaction that is even beyond just knowing that you're part of the family and living forever. It's what Dode is speaking about here when he used Asheri. He's climbing out of himself. He says, you'll be benefited by what I have done. Enormously satisfying. You know, he's he's still humble. He's saying, you know, it's it's only possible because of the fact that we're separating ourselves from human politics and religion and we're relying on Yahweh. But you see, Yahweh wants to make it such that we can take credit. He wants us to contribute. He much prefers to work through us and with us than alone. So he loves it when Dode says, benefit from me. He loves it when all of us and the covenant say, I want you to benefit from what I'm doing for you. That's the way we work together. That's the way Yahweh's family works. And you can be part of that. It's the most rewarding thing you can possibly do. Well, Kirk and Dee, I'm going to say goodnight Please before my, my uh, voice uh, gives out and I do myself some uh, harm. Uh, uh, it's It's been a real thrill uh, yeah, to speak to um my uh my king my messiah my brother um our brother our our shepherd our savior um dode is the most extraordinary man who ever lived yeah i've, I've said that moshe's character trumps all and it does his courage trumps mm-hmm. all his devotion to duty trumps all his uh, i mean uh Moshe is as good as good possibly gets. But um, God's got a very soft spot for passionate rascals. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
And I want to tell you, Yao loves Dode more than anyone else. That doesn't shortchange Moshe. Um, (laughs) Moshe is as good as it gets, but Dode is God's son. He is the example that we can all follow. And the beauty of Dode is, yeah, okay, he's he's a lot more articulate than, than we are. He's a lot better writer than we are. Uh, he's a lot more courageous fighter defending Israel than we are. Um, he's, he's certainly more brilliant. God calls him he's as brilliant as the sun. Uh, but Dode had more flaws, I swear, than even I have. Dode was a really <laughs> flawed dude. And, and because of that, it says that we can feel very comfortable in, in God's presence. Yeah. We don't have to be perfect. No. We just have to be willing. Good thing. (laughs) Yeah. You know, know, I realized that that 22 years ago when when, um, back in Teruah in 2001, when God approached me and asked to do this, I had nothing going for me. Except I was like Moshe in the sense of I was the one person on the planet that actually had the experience set that God was looking for. I had the aptitudes mm-hmm. and attitudes and the prior experiences that Yahweh was looking for. I, I was a Moshe for our time. Now, that doesn't put me in the league of Moshe. I'm not. No, we get it. But I had exactly those same set of experiences that God wanted to capitalize on. I was religious and had walked away from it. I was political and had walked away from it. I knew that neither were right. I was open to going where God led because I wasn't beholding to what he wanted to lead away from. I wasn't clinging to it. And like Dode, passionate, devoted, judgmental, courageous, And I think when it comes to his messengers, well, there's only one or two in the in the mix, and maybe only one that that had a slow processor. God does like working with people who process information quickly and judgmentally. And so, with lots of uh, of support and inspiration through his seven ruach here we are and it's the best place in the world to be and and the beauty of of all of this is that while god does choose the people he chooses he he wants to work with and then he he enables them and empowers them i will tell you if there were 20 people like moshe he would have engaged all 20. Um, the more the better. If if during that exodus, the Yatsa, if there were more Yosha ben nuns and, and Kolebs, it would have been an extraordinary, change the world kind of an experience. That's the opportunity. Yeah, so we've we've had a bit of a head start. We've got you know thirty books on the shelves. We have. 10,000 radio programs. 
put you in a much better position because yeah. you can come up to speed so much faster. You got this marvelous foundation, this opportunity to learn and then take off and fly. Launch. You know, it's synergism. We we want more voices, voices in Israel in particular that are courageous and and informed and passionate. This is your opportunity, Israel. Read, listen, learn. Come to know Yahweh. He's worth knowing. He is the best in every possible way. He's everything that the religious God is not. He's liberating. He's empowering. He's uplifting. He's enriching. He's fun. He's approachable. He's knowable. Mm-hmm. He's your best friend. He's your dad. <laughs> so, thank you for listening. Look forward to being with you this time next week. And we'll mm-hmm. continue to talk about um, the lyrics and the life of Son of God, the Messiah the shepherd, the king of kings, the most beloved. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night, Dee. Good night, Kurt.